Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, directed by Angela Robinson and released in 2017. The plot of Professor Marston and the Wonder Women goes something like this. The story of psychologist William Moulton Marston and his polyamorous relationship with his wife and his mistress, who would inspire his creation of Wonder Woman. Uh, and as we generally do, we'll do a little bit of a spoiler-free section where we tell you uh, whether we think you should see this movie, if you can get hold of it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can find it, definitely see it. It's terrific. Um, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's um, got some great performances in it. It's funny, like really funny. Like the audience that we went to see it with were very into it. Mm. And it's really enjoyable. Um, it's a really fun little biopic. I mean, it's and it's interesting for the ideas that it presents, even if you don't agree with them. Mm. They're really like it's a really interesting look at people who lived. I said interesting so many times. It's a really intriguing look at people who lived their lives differently in a time when it wasn't accepted. And um, mm. there's some parallels to today and some nice costumes. Yeah. Um. And it, this movie was kind of it just got bugger all of a release in Australia. So this is the first time it's actually come to Canberra and we've finally seen it. One would assume that the fact that it came out at the same time as Wonder Woman would have given it a boost in popularity, but they didn't even try. And yes, I get this is like an adult movie. I get it. You can't, you know, take your 10-year-old Wonder Woman fan to it. But it's a really good biopic about someone who's very interesting and who in their lifetime was quite maligned and faced quite a few obstacles and was also very was quite progressive i would argue that it's an interesting biopic of two people who were very interesting well um, I, I, yes i actually think we'll get into this when we get into non-spoilers but i actually think there are three interesting people in this relationship but one of them doesn't get a very good treatment by this movie but uh, well i mean yeah we'll talk about that i don't know if it's just by the movie but sure but yeah so yeah it is um elizabeth marston is just one of the most amazing characters I've ever seen brought to life. And Rebecca Hall is wonderful as her. Yeah, Rebecca Hall's always been good, but this is her movie. She just shines. And like two minutes into her screen time, you just fall in love with her. She's amazing. Yeah, no, I have to revise all my 2017 Oscar should have beens because that yeah. was the best actress performance of the year. Oh, it was great. And she's so it just good. the whole thing was so great. But yeah, everything about her in this movie was amazing. But um, yeah, so yeah, should no. we get into the spoiler section? Yes, uh, we probably should. If you have any interest in you know, Wonder Woman and, and its creator, absolutely track this down, but it will be hard for you to find. So definitely yeah. recommend it. So I think part of my problem with Olive in this movie is not just that she got bad treatment, but the actress can only do one thing well which is like open her mouth slightly and look at people like she wants them. <laughs> That's all she can do well. And it's, you know, she, her character is kind of this, the linchpin of the whole mm. thing. And she's just not as good as Luke Evans or Rebecca Hall. And so it's like, it's really kind of a, and I can think of other people who probably would have been better and it would have worked better with. Mm. Um, it just doesn't, she just doesn't connect very well. Um, she has pretty good chemistry with Rebecca Hall, especially, but it, she just comes across as very wimpy. And I don't know if it's just the character uh, as well as – because that performance is so one note, mm. you know. Yeah, I, I think – and I don't know that much about this, but I know a little bit about it. There was a book came out uh, just a few years ago with all of this stuff uh, about, oh, about this. Um, it was sort of an open secret, the, the, this polyamorous relationship, but – it was very covered up until like quite recently. Like when I mm. went on a bit of an internet rabbit hole last night about it, 
right up till the 90s when Elizabeth was still alive, mm. Olive was being written out of her biography and her stories at, by sort of media and it was a bit weird and so they're still kind of – I think the kids and the grandkids, some of whom are still alive, are quite private as well. Mm. So there's still some like stigma around what went on. But from my knowledge – Olive was herself impressive, which you sort of see at the start of the film. Like she's got the best report, the best application or whatever, but we don't really see her um, her smarts the same way. And she also, while she did stay home and take care of all the children, which is a very important role, I think, mm. God, everyone, most women who are married to men would probably love a wife to stay home and take care of their children for them. But she did also have that journalism career and she went to Columbia and she like did her own stuff. Um, while this was all going on and really doesn't show it in this. It's sort of right. – she's she's interesting from a character perspective because, of course, she's the reason the two these two incredibly powerful, charismatic people are really into this girl and she she's sort of holds a lot of power over them and she's really interesting. But she's always sort of seen in this movie as quite submissive and passive. And not always because, I mean, they, they all tend to switch in this movie, which is kind of interesting because mm. that's not, as far as I know, terribly common. But, um, yeah, so they all well, take – they, I think they all switch because they need to learn a particular lesson to make the story work, but, yeah. No, but it, but there's, you know, even just in the um, – when they're having sex, in the sex scenes – Yes, that's Olive true. ties up both of them one time and she ties up um, Luke Evan, um, Professor Marston once – at the very beginning, in the first time mm, they have mm. sex. So there's – there's, and, and like when she wants to – and this is what frustrates me about her is that when she wants to, she will speak up and, and like make demands and things like mm. that. But then other times and, – and, you know, it, it just – the performance is really wobbly and it's hard to tell how much of that is like just in the performance because she's the most kind of – she has the most um, interior kind of mm. thought process going on. Everybody else says everything they're thinking out loud, but she thinks Doesn't. that something should be kept to herself. And so a lot of that has to come through in performance. Mm. Um, and Rebecca Hall's character, well, Elizabeth, will just say what she's thinking but there's all this other stuff going there's on. All, as she well. also performs what she's thinking. Yeah, there are times when she doesn't actually need to say it, and exactly. she just tells you with her performance. Right, exactly. So it it is like. She's definitely the weak link and it's probably in the writing and the performance and the, like mm. all the choices that went into that character yeah. were probably not the best. But it's very in keeping with Angela Robinson ah. because that is also a problem with the main character in Debs, which is um, Angela Robinson's amazing lesbian spy movie that everybody should see. It's so strange and Jimmy Simpson is having the time of his life in that movie. Um but the main character in Debs is very similar. She's blonde, she has the big eyes, and she's also quite – comes across as quite passive and not the best actress and mm. all of that sort of stuff. But she looks very similar. And I think there might be a kind of a, like, you know, Hitchcockian muse type thing going on Fair with enough. that kind of girl that seems to carry through. Yeah, and she's probably been picked because, like, at the start, um, the Marstons are supposed to be in their mid-30s and she's supposed to be this young student who <laughs> – and you sort of so she's and they meant, never age in this movie. No, they don't. Well, I see. There's some things I think in this movie that are a result of having not a lot of money, mm. and I think the not really aging is probably one of those things. And I think 
Yeah, because um, when they put sick makeup on Luke Evans, even just to make him look sick, it's not great. No. So I think that's a problem of the sort of budget mm. as much as anything because they, they, yeah, like they age from, they're supposed to age from their mid 30s, their mid 50s, and it just doesn't look like that at all. And, and Olive's supposed to age from her like early 20s to her 40s. So you kind of, the, the, I think there's that problem. I mean, there's a couple other problems with the budget as well, I think, in terms of like just some of the shots look a bit sort of hastily put together or not not as exteriors are hard Mm. i think exteriors interiors are really good Mm. um their house feels very homey there's a real sense of the university um harvard what is it harvard radcliffe Mm. um i was like what is it's one of the harry potter actors (laughs) um harvard radcliffe like that's you get a really good sort of feel for those places mm, that off, stage where they offices, first yeah. come together is mm. beautifully shot and that room in the porn shop thing was really good so mm. i think all the interiors are good yeah but the exterior shots look a bit cheap and they probably didn't have yeah they probably didn't have budget they probably didn't have um like a lot of approval to be in places for very long yeah. and things like that because i've become obsessed with this movie and I, I think i'm willing to forgive it some of those things yeah. just because i'm really interested in it well i'm willing to forgive a lot of those things because um, it's a, it was a worthwhile story to get made, and mm. if they had to tell it with not much budget, then and they I think they spent the budget in the right places on Luke Evans on mm. Rebecca Hall because they are the worth it. Like and on without the them, it wouldn't work. Yeah. And on the costumes, yes. Um, I couldn't figure out when this was set for a long time, and it's partly because it um, says it at the start. You know that literally I literally says notice a year, these things a couple of times. Yeah, but that's the thing is that like I just don't remember numbers. Right. And so I'll read the year and then it'll just fall out of my head like two minutes later. So um there's also the problem of them not aging. Yes, exactly. And the kids get older. You see the kids and you can't quite work out when they've had their kids and how who's supposed to be how old when. And I couldn't figure it out from the fashions mm, because no. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but also like the fashions are probably very accurate for the time, but they're not like showy accurate so it was hard for me to figure it out no and um and olive just wears like what everything she wears in the first kind of the university years all of it is partly see-through did you notice that like everything was gauzy i didn't but now that you pointed out yeah everything was gauzy and like and like knit so you could see her skin through it or like you she, know she's very fond of a knit that yes. girl even as she got older she's in like she's a, they dress her to the role a little bit like soft mm. very round corners and whereas Rebecca Hall's character and Rebecca Hall's angles. perfect for this because she's so tall and skinny and she's all angles and, and, sharp. and trousers and mm. she so she doesn't dress like you know a 1940s woman anyway really exactly so it's it's just a bit like or, nine, or I mean I feel like she fits right in in the 1920s but um yeah she doesn't always dress like the era um, oh. And the, the era, the, the era it covers also is the depression and the war. Mm. So fashion, like people kept their clothes, and these are not. This is not at that point they didn't have a lot of money. Mm. So you you actually you see them outfits repeated as well. Um, there was a bit where Rebecca Hall's cuddling um, their first baby or Olive's first baby, and I before theirs. yeah it is theirs, but it's Olive's baby. Like, yeah. Know what I mean? Like, and and I could see it was a woman cuddling the baby, but I knew immediately that it was Olive because I recognised the jacket because she'd worn it before. Sorry, immediately that it was Elizabeth, Elizabeth because I'd recognised the mm. jacket. So they re-wear clothes uh, throughout it as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. It and I just 
Like every time you say so, Rebecca Hall when she's holding that baby is radiating joy. Oh my like, god. Like just everything that she does in this, you know, just within the first few seconds, she's smoking and swearing and and she- cursing out the university and drinking whiskey from a flask, like not a flask, um a beaker. Um, beaker and just like She's instantly the best thing ever. I just – she walked – I'm just instantly in love with her. Yeah. Like, you absolutely understand why Olive falls for her. You understand why everybody – like, you, And why why um, Bill's married her as well. And why you, She's a force of nature. Like, I know that word gets thrown around, but she's an absolute force of nature. But you also understand why society is scared of her. Mm, mm. Like, she is all of those things just – Oh, yeah. I just I, – all I wanted was to be her. Yeah. Like, she's amazing. She's just incredible. And and I'm so glad her story is, is like being told. Yes. Because obviously people know who William Moulton Marston is because every time there's a Wonder Woman movie, his name is in the credits. But they don't know. Or one time. <laughs> yeah. Or no, anytime she appears in animation or any, like mm. um, the family still owns all the know, rights but- and stuff. But um, people always talk about William Moulton Marston and this polyamorous relationship. But like – he was married to this incredible woman yeah. who was a huge part of his professional success as well. Mm. Um, and he married an equal mm. and he married someone who was smart and completely independent. And like, like it sort of says, I, I always don't like the sexist framing of like William Moulton Marston and his wives. It's like these women, particularly Elizabeth, were incredible Mm. And um, the um, that scene where they're having uh, the planes, where they where they're visiting the planes, mm. and Elizabeth talks about marrying him, mm. and all of questions are about it, and she says, "Why did you marry?" Well, she, at first Elizabeth said no because she didn't want to be in his shadow, but then she did be she did it because he was he respected her, he respected her, and all that stuff. And it's really she's so knowledgeable about the fact that she's going to be erased from history Mm. she knows that's going to happen Mm. because that's what's happened to women who are married to brilliant men all through history you know the men may respect them all they want but everybody else will just yeah exactly and their names go on the on the work and the women's names get erased Mm. yeah and and she's kind of very aware of um how society views her and so that also makes things fall apart a little bit towards the end like her her she's so so knowledgeable about every everything else in the world and so realistic and the other two are kind of romantic dreamers who yeah like who just aren't aware of love is all you need and Mm. she because she's the smartest of the three can anticipates all the problems that are going to come their way and also the most pessimistic yes well the most anxious yeah yeah those things can all come in together mm. um and william's got you know the women to look after him but yeah it's sort of like well that's right and and she um she, and she, like i think you know she does obviously at times make wrong decisions like kicking olive out mm. but she um you can always sort of see why she does that and then obviously the main arc of the her main arc is that she then they, then they quite literally have her get on her knees and beg forgiveness mm. Um, well, which is like a good circle for her. It is, and it. it's um, it ties into his psychological theory mm. and all that sort of stuff. My thoughts are so scattered. I want to do talk about like five things at once. Um, I'll save one of them for later and hope I remember. But it's about the m- biggest problem I had with the movie, apart from the girl who played Olive. 
but also um the the theory that he has is so wrapped up in just one facet of human existence mm. that i find it hard to see how he can universalize it the way that he does mm. um like he's clearly very intelligent yeah but it seems like he's sort of and and there was a point at which um uh, elizabeth says something about when you're going to stop excusing your what is it something about like ex- using your cock as an excuse for science or or science <laughs> as an excuse for the whims of your cock or something yeah, like yeah, that that's it. and um i was like well it's kind of both right like he's into the science of this because he's into this yes and he wants to understand it which is why olive comes to them in the first place mm. she wants to understand why people react to her the way they do like it's all about mm. of course you are interested in the science of something that affects you and Elizabeth as well, because she walking through the world as she is and unapologetically as she is, mm. she wants to know that as well. Like being naturally sort of dominant and with leadership skills is not encouraged when you grow up as a girl. Right. And it's sometimes hard to get across that when you get older. And so that's why she's interested in it as well. So it's interesting. Um, His theory too, I when I read, I read a little bit more about it and it's sort of like a because in the movie, the movie kind of explains the, you know, the, let, the disc letters, the, yeah. those four main things. But it, there's also like more in, of stuff about how people behave, whether depending on not, whether or not they're in a um, receptive or antagonistic environment. Mm. So it's all about how you kind of switch between those as, you know, methods of getting what you want in life. And it, that kind of made a bit more sense to me once I read that. Yeah, I mean, and, and the movie shows how a lot of the stuff makes sense and it, it makes sense to follow those things through because mm. you watch those things happen in the main relationship and all that stuff, right? But it, it just, it does seem to me that he's like using these, this concept of how people interact with power, mm. ignoring a lot of stuff about privilege and that sort of thing, mm. but also like making that just how everybody interacts all the time mm. with everybody yeah. and i don't think that's true like i i think he's ignoring a lot of things that make up human existence in yeah. order to it, it's kind of that confirmation bias thing mm. like everything that he sees confirms these ideas right. that he's and his own sort of natural submissiveness kind of comes into play there like he, yeah but as a man in that society with educational and probably money privileges class privileges he can be submissive a bit submissive Mm. like it works for him he doesn't have face too many um immediate social consequences for that that's true yeah and also he's like in this movie it's easy to see how it's not too much of an issue for him because he's luke evans and Mm -hmm. nobody's going to six foot two and built right and nobody's going to like you know, nobody's going to push around Luke Evans, which is why mm. the fight scene that he gets into with this other guy that just beats him up and you're like, there's no way, there's mm. no way that would happen. Look at him. Um, yeah. I have actually no idea what he looked like in real life. Oh, there were the photos at there the were end. There were photos looked of the, nothing like him. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they, they were definitely, you know, they looked more like normal people, not gorgeous actors. Yes. But it just was funny to me mm. um but luke evans does uh, we've been talking about a lot about rebecca hall but luke evans does a really good job oh, yes um he's very kind of um he he walks that tightrope really well mm. of um of 
being this kind of submissive guy without being a wimp or mm. a pushover or anything like that, you know, without being a the mouse, you know, the the cartoon version, the the guy in Mary Poppins who mm. the, now me me girl's me wife, that guy. Yeah. Like it's this it's a much more nuanced performance than that. Mm. And he and, and Elizabeth are such equals. Oh yeah. And they will push each other and and question um, why they think things and what their beliefs are and things like that a lot. It's which is really nice to see. And there's all this support along with it. Mm. It was already a, a strong marriage before Olive came along. Yeah. Um. And a strong relationship. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I like the way that the you know the characters are allowed to have flaws and strengths and all that sort of stuff without it weakening the characters that's what's nice about having a female director is that women are allowed to do that Mm. a lot of the time men won't let their female characters be that way Mm. which is one of the reasons why elizabeth's just such a great role i think yes because she's so imperfect that first sex scene is amazing by the way the one in the one in the theater with all the costumes is so good Uh. it's so well shot and it's so kind of like it's you know it, it's just shot in this way that you completely understand why everybody wants this mm. and why it's so appealing to them. It's just gorgeous. It's so well done. I haven't seen a lot Gavin's of sex puts scenes. on that hat. Sorry? Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> but it's just all yeah. of it. You know, like oh I haven't seen God. a lot of sex scenes that are shot that well that they're so like sexy without being like objectifying no. of anybody or, you know, anything like that. And it's just mm. really, it's really nice. It's really well done. Yeah. I liked that too, and the the way they used that um, that theatre, which was so unsubtly used at the very yeah. beginning with the goddess Diana. <laughs> that is that's what I wanted to talk about as being my problem with the movie. Yeah, There's the, a lot of yeah. unsubtle things and a lot of things that are just too convenient. Like he goes off to this trial with Connie Britton, and she's you know picking on him, and then he ha- falls down, collapses from the lung cancer. Was it lung cancer? It was I actually. It was. I looked it up. It was skin cancer, oh. and he really did face off against Connie Britton's character. Yes. but. But yeah. did he collapse at Probably, the thing? Probably not. Um, this is what, like, it, it is yeah. like, it's those kind of too pat, too convenient yeah, the things. the movie cough. I mean, the going into the, um, also in the lingerie store where Elizabeth and, and Bill go off and have an argument and then, like, Olive's like, oh, a tiara. And then they come back and she's in, like, a full-on bustier and yeah, the, the one, full-on Woman. Wonder Woman outfit shot in silhouette. Like, it looks amazing, of course, but it was also, like, so sort of it, it was all so convenient like there were so many little easter eggs in there almost yeah. too many I, I didn't mind that so much but it is convenient that it all happens that way at that time like that's kind mm. of the convenience of those sorts of things are a bit much um and i the constant cutting to that trial-esque mm. thing with all the rest of the movie was i didn't like that because it really pulled me out of it all the time um, especially in one where there's very, lots of very quick edits. Mm. And I get the feeling that um, the director doesn't like staying in one place with one idea for too long. Yes. Um, it kind of keeps moving, which it can be good, but it also means that you don't have time to settle into a scene or an idea mm. um, before it's kind of ripped up from out from under you. And um, I think that's what uh, – yeah, and that's something that comes up again with that passage of time thing Yeah, is that you don't – we don't get to settle with them – Mm. A lot. There's you're always kind of moving around. Yeah, there's one. There's one time shift that you can only tell because the kids are suddenly like the boy suddenly a teenager. Well, it does say that. Well, I know it does. 
But yes, and you, and you do have to kind of like, because I mean, I certainly didn't know enough about these people to know what years they were born in or mm. anything like that. And so like, if you're trying to figure and and then you can't figure it out from how they appear and you're like, you know, we started in 1928, we know we're in 1940 now, like, where does that put us? The depiction of how stress affects them is really interesting too. Um, and and like how they crack under stress and William gets more permissive and less kind of proactive <laughs> and Olive just kind of, you know, Elizabeth is trying to make all the decisions but is making bad ones and, and snapping at everybody. she's panicking. Yeah, she's exactly. Panic she's panicking. Decisions. And um, Olive is clearly the one who's most calm and in control but she can't get anybody to listen to her because she never speaks up about anything. So, mm. it is. It's like she, because whenever she tries to defuse the situation, she won't, she can't say the right things. Yeah. She can't find the right things to say. And so it kind of, she's trying to defuse it, but, and she knows that, like, it could be okay, mm. but she doesn't know how to calm Elizabeth down. No. In fact, the best sort of dynamic in that thruple is when Elizabeth and Olive sort of team up against Bill. Yeah. Like that's the way they were they always working best when it's the two of them and him. Yeah, I mean I well I think it works best when all of them are on the same. Right. Page. It works best when they're all treating each other as equals and whatnot, but like the two of them teaming up against him was always delightful whenever it happened. It was, but it's not, I think I think it's kind of less them teaming up against him more than like teasing him and pushing him and that sort of yeah, thing rather than sweet. The teaming up against him seems just a bit and that was a, meaner than yeah, that's what true. happens. But, the, and, but that's the point. Like Olive, when she's allied with Elizabeth, can demonstrates a lot more strength yeah. than she does when um, at other times when she's on her own. Yes. And Olive and, and, and William as a team, they really need Elizabeth because they're not they, very they, capable no, of together doing things not, for themselves. No. Um, Making decisions for themselves and things like that. So, Looking yeah. after themselves. Looking after themselves, yeah. She's clearly the – which is why it, I think you – because the movie doesn't – that's why I think the movie doesn't really treat her that badly in that it makes it clear that she's like the capable one and all that sort mm. of stuff. But the problem is it just kind of falls apart whenever she has to try and stand up for herself or anything like that, you mm. know. She just kind of lets – it happened. But, and both of them have gotten so used to letting Elizabeth run the show. Yeah. They're not good at, like, advocating for their own needs yeah. separate from that if they don't align with Elizabeth's. Yeah. I like how we're getting this into the dynamics of the – I mean, it, just, I could watch so a whole show just watching the, those guys. It's great. hours thinking about this since we – we watched this last night and I just keep thinking about, like, how the different dynamics work between them and, like, all the – like just the whole logistics of it all. Yeah. And I just, it was, I'm utterly fascinated by this movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by that, these people, to be fair. there's There are some other convenient bits. I'm just remembering the, the neighbours who are mean to them and oh, things like that. Yeah. It's just very like, look, this is how polyamorous people are treated. It's kind of like how gay people are treated. And yeah. the very obvious stuff that kind of hits you over the head. Yeah, but um, I mean, you need to have that in there. You do. But I thought it was better with the husband, the no, so the fiancé. Mm-hmm when it was a bit more kind of layered mm. and less in your face. Yes, it was more subtle and it was more like the more what you'd actually probably face, you less less likely to be about being beaten up and more likely to be about being ostracized and left out of things and Yeah. I th- and and that blonde lady was just a bit 
on the nose. Mm. Like, and the, the way that she was written was so kind of like... Yeah, it was almost, again, I you wonder... You could pull that from any movie about people who want... Well, and like, I, yeah, I wonder again about budget. Like, did they just like, oh, we need someone for two days, and we better put, we better write a, write some words for her to use. I don't know. I mean, it seemed well. It seems like it was a necessary part of the script, mm. but it just could have been done a little better and with a little more time, like it building up over time. Yeah, because like it, it really just happened like, in our heart. Yeah, and because we don't like, and the first we see of it is a kid who's one of their kids beaten up. But we literally that's the only time a kid has a line. Uh. Yes, see, it is the only time any of the kids have lines. Like the, we see the woman make friends with Olive, and then but the reason that it happens is because she walks in on the oh right no right I'm just yeah waiting on the timing there yeah yeah and then you see the kid get beaten up and it's the only time a kid has <laughs> lines and so we don't actually get that attached to the children. You can see because both uh, particularly like Rebecca Hall, but because the actress is like horrified that their child has been hurt, but it's kind of a weird like. That's how it comes into the movie. Do you know what got me though is after that when Olive leaves, both of the boys that she ta- that both of her sons that she takes with her are so upset to leave their dad and their other mom as well. No, she's not there. It, oh no, like, so, no. When they come back, sorry, they are all excited to see see her. Yeah, her. yeah. But when they're sorry. leaving, both of them like the older so one upset. hugs him twice. Yeah, and the younger one, and they just can't like help themselves and they're like no but I want to stay here with dad and all this and it's really I just thought it was really really nice and that when he is comforting him he like kisses his head I just thought it was really nice to see a really supportive father-son relationship in the 1940s I agree and like men in a household where men are encouraged to show their emotions like that yes it was so nice Mm. like their relationship was so I only had these kids on set for a very short amount of Mm. time and yet she showed so clearly that they really loved each other yeah and they've built this really like part of the flow on from having really equal relationships like this means that they model really equal relationships in their kids yeah it's really lovely and it was yeah it's just really nice and he's so devastated that they're leaving and Mm. i don't know that was even though it was only really brief and it would have been nice that's why i could watch a whole tv show about this yeah i know i aren't like it's, or three movies. And it's actually really hard to find information. I want to know about the kids. I want to know what happened to them. and like It might be because they're so private. I, they are. I seems they are pretty private. Other than Pete, who's the one who, uh, who's clearly involved in this film, who died last year. Mm. But, yeah. It, yeah, I just am fascinated by the whole thing. Like, mm. I could happily live in their world for much, much longer. I know. It was just so interesting. But it's really fun to watch as well. It's not just like um, – you know, relationship dramas. It's they're, they're well, no, very funny it's like, people. Yeah, they're funny and smart and sexy and like you want to be with these people. You want to be around these people. And it's like the, the way that the audience got so caught up that we were watching it got so caught up in things like the lie detector tests. Oh yeah, where they kept happening and they were too convenient as well. But they were convenient in a really good way. Like it mm. built towards that last one with Olive yeah. and every time that they would lie and you'd hear the needle go, everybody would sort of chuckle and things like that. Like people were so kind of invested mm. in those things and those were they were so well done. It's such a fascinating discussion about the nature of truth because mm. you think about what you would be like if you had a lie detector test and you think about all the things that make your systolic blood pressure rise and you're like, well, I'm not necessarily lying but what if I don't necessarily know? Particularly when you think about um, – when you're talking about or thinking about relationships, sometimes you don't always know your own feelings mm. and you 
that like your body will give you away. And that was utterly fascinating ideas about like truth and non-factualness, mm. like lies are lies because we're invested in them. Yes, that was, was a really good bit. Although I believe lie detector tests now, they have to be invested in it thing doesn't. Well, it's, um, I don't think they're very widely used because they are, there are ways to, you know, it's not. There are ways to cheat Completely them, yeah. accurate, but. Also, it's very strict protocols on how you do use them. Like mm. you've got to ask a series of baselining questions, yeah. which makes sense to me because I once like I was once having like a, a like a cardio exam, and I the nurse asked me about a stressful topic, and my I saw my blood pressure shoot up. Mm. I wasn't lying about the thing I was talking about. It was just a subject that made me really uncomfortable to talk about. But yeah, but I think there are other. So they do lots of like they they do they like. By baseline, you work mm. out what's normal, what's not normal. And they, they don't just the – lie detector tests don't just test one thing. No. They don't just test your systolic blood pressure no, anymore. No, there's sweat yeah. and, like, breathing rates. And, mm. But even still today, they're still not, like – they're not really considered a gold standard in terms of, no. like, admissibility in court and stuff. But they still are used, yeah. Because a lot of that stuff does centre around guilt and things like that, you mm. know. Like, but, I mean, if you were lying about – uh, and and also there are tw- ways to cheat them if you there's like a it's Valium or something that if you take it beforehand it just won't. yeah or you there's like the one about clenching your butt muscles the whole time yeah. um but also there are I imagine really strong ways to get significant false positives like as a very anxious person I suspect any time I'm talking to the police my blood pressure is up I'm sweating I'm breathing rapidly I'm very scared mm. like and or you know and I imagine there'd be lots of circumstances. Um, and but then where that would your be. blood pressure then increase more, like for certain things. So probably, yeah, that's probably yeah. why they have the baselines and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I just find there's just, so many interesting side alleys you can go down on this about this movie. I loved the um the, the line when when she was like, "Oh, you should have patented it," and he was like, "No, but it's science. I was right to publish." Oh, and you're like, "Oh, he's such a he's such a cute idealist, you oh. know." And you're just like, "That was dumb." And his poor wife has to goes and works as a secretary for like thirty something years to support that family. Yeah, but he brought but in he a lot of money. He with eventually the Wonder makes Woman money comics. with Wonder Woman. He eventually does, and that's that's kind of became necessary. But yeah. yeah, it's really hard when you have creative people when it's like, you know. Oh God, I know, I know. It's like when you have somebody who, the way of making money is like hard. It's so difficult to get into. Well, and, and, but once you get into it, then it's there. Yeah, you know, I know, I know. It's um, too. That was all a bit too real as well. All that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it is very real. Um, and also there's a lot of um, kind of bending over backwards to excuse some things in the Wonder Woman comics that maybe weren't the greatest mm-hmm. that um, are worth investigating instead of just making William Moulton Master a hero for doing. Yeah, because, I mean, he said certain, certain things that he said about, you know, women being in a natural submissive state to men and mm. women's natural state is loving and, like, it was I that. Mean, that, I don't think he said that women are naturally submissive. Oh, he he didn't said that say they're in the more movie. likely to be. Yeah, he didn't say it in the movie. He, he said it in real life. But he, um, but the yeah, the particularly the one about the nature of women is this, and the nature of men is that. They're but pre- the movie really doesn't seem to focus on the idea that women are naturally submissive, and also like the no. relationship is very much not. Uh, I know, that. but it's I know, but it is something that he famously said. But yeah. it's related to that whole the movie's thesis about how people. Uh, at, in their, at their best when they're submissive to a benign authority or whatever yeah. it is. So it's more about that. 
Um, but particularly, yes, around the the nature of men and the nature of women. Like he obviously in his world, given the women he knows and is in relationships with, he thinks that, you know, he has made a better person by being around the feminine. And I can sort of see that's that confirmation bias thing again of like he sort of he's around he prefers to be around women. He prefers to be around the feminine kind of energy that he clearly is seeing in these women. But it's not yeah, it's not like a universal truth. Yes. That I, women's nature is this and men's nature is that. Right, exactly. But also like when he's Yeah. I guess the movie takes a different stance on it. But it seems odd that he would be married to somebody with like Elizabeth and go, women are naturally submissive. Well, no, women that, are naturally love. Yeah, exactly. But women well, are naturally loving, more loving. I like that's he definitely says that, and I get that what that's doing. But in the even in the movie, like Angela Robinson undercuts that because mm, she's Olive in no and, way Elizabeth's in no way submissive, not even to any benign. No, authority. no, not the submissive part. The the more naturally more yeah. loving, caring, maternal, all of that stuff. Both Olive and um, Elizabeth roll their eyes at that. They mm. look at each other and they roll their eyes yeah, at yeah. him saying that in the class. Yeah. So there's like pushback within the movie against some of the ideas that mm. he's presenting, but not against other ones. Yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, obviously one of the important things about Wonder Woman the comic is that she is specifically feminine and that a lot of her strength and power are feminine. Like she, her particular talent, you know, for diplomacy and um, that sort of – choosing um, kindness and conciliation before she fights, right? Mm. That that kind of stuff is sort of qualities associated with feminine or femininity. Mm. So there's that interesting sort of like not being, you know, femphobic and embracing that those certain traditionally feminine qualities, but at the same time she's incredibly strong yes. and able to get a lot of people to submit. The, the, I mean the speech at the end of it gets to the core of it though, right, when he says that, What's important about her is that the way that she um, solves conflicts is by getting to the truth mm. and being kind and that sort of stuff mm. is how she solves the conflicts. But there are other things that, you know, the, the way that, they, that she tries to tie in Wonder Woman to the real life stuff over and over again, some of it's just dumb. Why does she have a secret identity? I don't know because she's a superhero. They all have secret identities. Superman had one. Batman had one. Wonder Why Woman had Wonder Woman one. Why would Wonder Woman have one? Like, that was dumb. They have super, they had, yeah. all had secret identities at that point. Yeah. And like, oh, there's lots of violence in the comics. And you're like, oh, no, really? Really? There's violence in comic in comics? <laughs> like, a, I, which are about people are you, fighting? Are you, have you, are you calling in Bob Kane to talk, talk like this to him? Right, exactly. Like, that stuff just doesn't make any sense yeah. in the context of what they're doing there. Yeah. What makes sense is her questioning all the bondage stuff, which is very makes, obvious. Yeah, it doesn't and, make a lot of sense. Yes, and and you're like – and I kids won't get it. They're not understanding no. that stuff when it comes up in the comics. No. But, but adults looking at those pictures are like, holy crap, that's just straight-up yeah. bondage cartoons. Yeah, yeah. And which is, of course, his idea is like, I want – you know, I, I want kids to get these ideas when they're young mm. um, without necessarily knowing they're absorbing the ideas, but – Anyway. Yes, and it is propagandist, and it's probably. I but, mean, I mean, all art has a like every all creators have their bring themselves to their creation. That is true. However, all creators aren't writing those things with the idea of Overtly. indoctrinating young people into <laughs> their like. They're just you can want to express an idea in something without wanting to indoctrinate people to that idea through mm -hmm. that something. Mm -hmm. There's a very clear difference there, I think. Yeah, okay. 
Um, and he was vocally like it was voc- he was vocally saying this is propaganda to promote my mm. but my my psychological philosophical beliefs. Yeah, which is fine, but like I would question that too if I was like you know I would sort of be like are all the ideas that you're putting in here ones that we want to yeah especially be? if I was his editor and his publisher yeah like, exactly I, that's mm. I just don't think that she was all wrong no. And that he was all right in the way that the movie presents it. Mm. Like, even within the movie, trying to make her look like a bad guy, I was like, well, sometimes she has a point. Mm. You know, and and kids are not going to see this as sexual, but these are very clearly sexual images. And these are are characters that adults read as well, and a lot of adults also read what their kids read. Yes. And it's, um, yeah, some of the things that are in there would maybe, you could maybe pull back on a little bit and still have the same... Mess- the same positive messages from it because oh, I yeah. think there's some. Well, because modern, think of modern day Wonder Woman, and particularly think about Gail Simone's Wonder Woman, who is the absolute embodiment of that diplomacy and kindness mm. and truth and all that kind of stuff. And they've managed to bring that stuff through into modern day Wonder Woman without having her tied up every few seconds. And the the thing where when a man ties her wrists together, she loses the power in the bracelets, mm. like. That kind of stuff has definitely taken a big backseat in the, whatever, 70 years since Moulton Marston died. We Moulton Marston died. Yeah. Like that stuff's definitely not a major feature anymore. Right. Um, and she's, but they still managed to maintain the core of the character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's what I mean. Like it's, it's I don't think that questioning those things is necessarily the worst thing, mm. but I think there's a lot better ways to do it than in the, confrontational if you know we are seeing if this is ethically okay for children to read sort of idea rather than, like mm. there are lots of better ways of doing it obviously but the the movie definitely presents her as like a villain yes who is saying all these things because she thinks he's evil whereas i'm like some of these que- these ideas that he has do need to be challenged mm. some of them aren't right mm. and she is challenging some of the things that maybe could be challenged in, you know, and just nice. Yeah, ways. absolutely. And that golden era, those golden age comics and stuff, that's sort of, it was the Wild West. He's pushing that boundary and people have kind of generally accepted at this point that comics are children's medium and he's really pushed that boundary yeah. as to what's suitable for children. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that it, there's some of that oversimplification in ways mm. that, I would rather this movie not do it. I think some of the things needed to be oversimplified. Mm. You can't do everything and you can't explore everything. Mm. Um, but um, at the same time, some of those things are like to to paint her as just a villain and to paint him as like this hero because it ties it all into the idea that they're questioning whether or not his family situation is okay. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, but you can – question some of the stuff that he put in the comics without saying your family is wrong. Yeah. And to tie those two things together creates a false dynamic within the movie Mm. that, like, you have to be kind of paying attention to unpick yourself. Mm. And I don't – I don't. it's essentially propaganda. Yes. (laughs) Like for William Moulton Marston that I think is not Mm. the best way to do it. But – yeah, I think most of my issues with it are not enough to make me um, dislike the movie in any way. I, I thought the movie was great. I loved watching it. I really had a good time 
and so interesting, makes you think, but it's also really transporting. Oh, um, yeah. It was one of those ones where we walked out and I was like, wait, wow. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten I had to be in the real world again. Yeah. It was really amazing. Um, I didn't quite have that strong a reaction to it, but it was I could easily have watched another two hours of movie and been very happy mm. um, and been very into it. Um, oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, the, but there are some things that I think are just too much. Mm. And that girl was not very good. Yeah. It's you know just, what I've, It would have been so great if they'd had three really great actors in the yeah. leads instead of the two and the Australian girl, Bella Heathcote. Mm. That's her name. Who was, she was also in Dark Shadows and she's yeah. very similar where she's just like wide eyed and mouth slightly open. <laughs> and that's her reaction to everything that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I just figured out that's really, really cool and prob- maybe like might make people who are working on creative projects feel a bit better. William Moulton Marston was 50 before he wrote Wonder Woman, mm. which is just like lets you know that there are many careers in life and you can do many things, yeah. especially when you're a creative person and you have these things that you never know when they're going to come to fruition. That is yes. all. But, you know, he spent ages being poor and, <laughs> and yeah, well, having no, trouble mean, supporting his family and all that Right, sort of stuff. but he also spent, um, you know, he spent time as a, a psychologist. He spent time as an academic doing, mm. doing quite well for himself and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just an in, just a really interesting life. Like you can have so many things happen in your life. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I think I always think that's – but, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just – I don't know, but I've I've always thought those things. I'm like, well, of course you can publish your first book when you're 50. I know. If you have your fir- if you have the first idea that catches on when you're 50, of course. That's when you'll publish it. But I think I I think when you're young and you're young like uh, when you're on the younger side and when you've been told, you know, chase your dream and mm. you see all these other people who are like 30 under 30 and all this kind of stuff, you, there's a real culture of like the youngest person to do this thing or um, this person has published this many novels by the time they were 30 is not necessarily a measure of – it's not necessarily the right measure. No. And people get particularly, like, stressed about it, especially if they might be, you know, 35 or 40 and they've got a family and they're working on um, – you know, they like to work on creative stuff but they've also got life and other things going on and they get a bit stressed about it, like, oh, this is when I, I should have been – I should have done this by now. And particularly for if you're very ambitious – Mm. Um, it's it's a definitely a thing, and so that's why that those that stuff always goes around the internet. Of yeah, that's probably like, it. I have no ambition. Of so. like you know, Oprah getting fired at twenty three, and yeah. Leslie Jones getting her big break at forty seven, and yeah. um, Tiffany Haddish being thirty eight when she broke out, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that. I mean, and, and it's just kind of like there's a yeah, a culture that worships youth, and if you are yes. naturally ambitious and creative, that you often start to think that oh, I'm I'm thirty five, I can't get anything done. I'm, I'm, and it's not, not even remotely true. No, it's not even remotely true. However, there are things that, I mean, I, for me, it's more like you watch everybody else doing all these, hitting all these milestones, just life ones. And you're Mm. like, but I'm not doing any of those rather than like the creative things I think are just like, well, well, yes, creativity is such a, is such a, um, (laughs) it's like trying to catch lightning catch lightning in a bottle you know creativity is something where you're you have to have the idea that works Mm. and then people have to relate to that idea and connect with it and the publisher has to want or whoever oh yeah there's so many factors that have to go into it i just thought it was a nice thing and people might it is it is nice (laughs) i didn't mean to you know piss all over the ideas that you were (laughs) but i I, like 
yeah, and also I, you know that I'm like the least ambitious person ever. So that's not really, mm. that tends not to be such an issue as much as like this just being like, well, I'm 34 and like everybody else is married and, and you know, having, buying houses and all this sort of stuff. And, having babies. Yeah. Yeah. But, and all that sort of stuff where you, but it's just this kind of, um, Whereas creativity, you just can't control a lot of no, it. No, no. But I mean, that, that's it's almost a separate conversation that missing out on life milestones yeah, things. It is. Um, yeah, with some when we talk about a lot in infertility communities. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, like that sort of not hitting milestones at the same age as your peers is is one of the, is like a really tough thing. But that's no, that wasn't. No, no. This was more like people like us who are sort of creative types mm. and yeah you um, if you haven't done it yet yeah you the concept that you, if you haven't, if done, you haven't it done it yet, you're, you're, you're never going, going to, to is to crazy. Is, is not true at all, especially if you're Elizabeth Marston who lived to 100 yeah. and was still like heavily involved in the, her community right up until the end. The best moment in that film was when the screen <laughs> screenshot came up and said, William, uh, Elizabeth Marston lived till she was 100. We both immediately went, of course she did. <laughs> because like you can just imagine death coming for Elizabeth Marston and her being like, no, I'm not ready, go away. Yeah, and so I, when I was talking at the beginning, I was talking about how some articles written just before she, or in the couple of years before she died, erased Olive from existence entirely, mm. and that annoyed me. But the same article, which was I think in the New York Times or somewhere like that, was just wonderful. And they interviewed her. She was about to turn ninety nine, and she was just as full of piss and vinegar mm-hmm. as the thirty five year old we meet on screen. And she, she's like demanding two birthday parties because her birthday's at a, a bad time of the year. So she wants another one later in the year when it's warmer. And <laughs> like, and, and the way she, and the, the way her grandchildren and children talk about her and like her, just her very strong demands about everything. And she lived at home on her own until she was like 97. And then Pete moved in with her. Of course she did. Like she just, you know, life is, life is not just long. Life is long and you can live it right up till the end. Yes, and I mean that does not surprise me at all about her. I the, there was a title card right after that that was like Wonder Woman is still the best-selling female, and you're like female, female superhero. superhero. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would you put that? Like that, all that's doing is creating false, um, all creating um, competition with other female superheroes being like, oh, this is the only good one, which is a which terrible is, thing to do. That's for like, feminism and for women in comics and for women's representation, right? Because it's like saying. Batman is the best-selling male superhero. Like, of course he is. He was the first one. Superman was first. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, Batman's, you know, been he's been around so much longer than all the, you know, they're different. There's different. Um, yeah, it, it just seems like a weird equivalency as well because for so many years, Wonder Woman was it. Yes, really. And it's not just that. It's like, but also, even if she is still the best-selling one, why would you bring that up mm. when it could be just like Wonder Woman continues to be a bestseller. Well, I, that's or, what I would have said because yeah. there's a line in the movie that Oliver Platt in a delightful little cameo has about um, – He's great. Fe- he's like, female-led superhero titles don't sell. Yes. And – which was great. But then you could have said at the end, Wonder Woman has sold 70 trillion comics since yeah. 1942. Or just it continues to be a bestseller instead of pitting her against other women. Yeah. yeah it could have just been Wonder against Woman has, all comics. Oh, or the other fact, Wonder Woman has been continuously in print since 1941, apart from like four months in 1986 when she was out of print. Or Wonder Woman sold 70 million comics and spurned blah, 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 movies, a TV show and a whatever. Yeah, Like exactly. that would have been much better. 
It would have because it would have been it, – it does – I don't like that it puts her in competition with only other female – Superheroes. Superheroes. That's, that's – why would you want to do that? Yeah. Surely you want to uplift other super, female superheroes or uplift mm-hmm. people who want to write female superheroes rather than just smacking them yeah, down and being like, oh, you'll never be as good as Wonder Woman or something like that. Due to the success of Wonder Woman, DC Comics launched Supergirl and Marvel launched whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do something that uplifts instead of – yeah, instead of um, competing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. That was that was upsetting to me because I was like, this seems very much. It also seems very much not in the spirit of the movie or mm. you know the people in it mm. to go. Oh, yeah. Especially, there's some good bits like when they're showing kids reading the comics. There's equal amounts of boys and girls reading yes. the comics. There's I know, not. I it's love not that. A, like the, you do see some girls reading the. You see boys reading the comics. It's not like then they don't kind of make a thing of it. It's yeah. just like. Kids love this. No, my favorite bit was when the girls were reading it and there's a boy in the window behind trying to read it over there. Like, yeah, yeah. Through the window. That was really, really cute. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, did, I noticed that too. So, yeah, why would you do that? And, like, I don't think William Moulton Marston would, like, would want to be like, oh, yeah, my female comic is the only one that's, like, yeah, or, or why not also selling everything? He would be like, oh, I, more, more co- female comics. Like, you know, the, his paradise was – all female. Right. So why would he be – why would he want yeah. you to – like, why would he want yeah. – Or, that? like, compare her to other comics because I am 99% sure that the three biggest selling comics of all time ever are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like, miles and miles and miles ahead of anyone else. Yeah. So why not compare her to her peers? Mm. Anyway. Yeah. I, yeah it wasn't uh, – that was frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but kind of like – little things on an otherwise good movie, like a, stu- yes. a sort of a nasty tagline on a yeah, otherwise Yeah, movie. I agree. But, mm-hmm. I, yeah, like I said before, none of the issues that I had were enough to make me not like the movie. Yeah. Um, it's just I wish some things had been done with a little more nuance and a little better, mm. which I think it's just the style of movie that's not – I mean, the style is not terribly nuanced in some ways. Mm. No, it's um, – Yeah. Yeah, okay. It, 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 for a movie that clearly had the budget that it did and things like that, it's just phenomenal. Mm, absolutely. And I really wish it had gotten more of a release and I'm kind of hoping it shows up on Netflix or iTunes or something. It's probably already on iTunes, but I'm kind of hoping it shows up more broadly so that more people will see it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever wanted so much in my life to be able to go back in time and meet somebody as I am now to wish I could go back and meet Elizabeth. Oh Marston. my God. <laughs> She's fantastic. I, I worry I wouldn't live up to her like, oh, I expectations. Like, you could just talk like, to I her would for dis- five minutes. I would disappoint her so greatly that I feel like it would almost not be worth meeting her. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just fantastic. Yeah. The, yeah. Just brilliant. Amazing. And Rebecca Hall's so good. Um, anyway, so we should probably rate Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Um, I'm going to give Professor Marston and the Wonder Women four stars. Mm-hmm. I'm tossing up between four and four and a half. I'm going to go with four because I think you're going to go really high. I'm going to go four and a half because mm. I did have some issues with it. In, in just, And I know that they were largely around like lack of budget and things like that, but it did sort of – there was some roughness around the edges that – means I won't go all the way to five stars but I I'm and also I kind of I'm obsessed with this movie but I think I'm obsessed with Wonder Woman so I think I and I think that also we're bringing a lot of baggage to it with like you know our interest in progressiveness and all that sort of stuff 
the, I, I do think that my, my issues with it were not around the budget. They were around some of the storytelling decisions. Mm-hmm. And so for me, which is that, probably why a four is more appropriate. Yeah, there. exactly. Whereas I, I had less problem with the storytelling and yeah, more problem with just some of the ways it was pulled together. Okay, um, cool. Anyway, so thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like uh, show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you would uh, like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.